Okay, so today we're going to learn about a few important um, paintings, artwork. Um, so the first one that I wanted to show you, and if you come to my office on the third floor, you would see like an actual big version of this that I, it's not the original unfortunately, but it's, uh, it's a copy. Um, this is a, a painting that was painted uh, by an artist by the name of, actually I don't know if we know the name of the artist, but it was in the National Museum of Posen, and it's called Old Market in Posen. Oh, actually we do know the name of the artist, it's called Ju- his name is Julius Knorr, K-N-O-R-R. And um, it was... Uh, Exhibited in, 19, in 1838 in the hotel called De Dresda in Poland, in Posen, and eventually found its way to the museum. Now, it's basically, if you look carefully, it's a painting of the city of Posen. Posen was a, a very, very famous, uh, quite large city. And the artist drew uh, a lot of different personalities that you know, that were significant. If you would live in the city at that time, in the 1800s, you would recognize that maybe this guy is the mayor and this guy is the uh, mailman and this guy is the... He painted different famous people in the city into the painting. Now, who cares, right? Why are we bringing this up? Because the circled area over here of the painting, and we magnified it over here, is very significant in the sense that this is the only known painting of Reb Kiva Eger, the great uh, Talmudical scholar, the great Talmud Chacham Reb Kiva Eger, who's, this is like another painting of him, but this is the only known painting of him in his lifetime because the artist, when he was drawing all the personalities, he also drew the rabbi of the city of Posen, who was Reb Kiva Eger, and this was two members of Reb Kiva Eger's Bestin, he had his own rabbinical court in Posen, and so we know these two people also. So it's a, it's a beautiful painting, but the significance of it is that for us from Jews who want to know what Rebbe Vega looked like, this is the source for uh, what he looked like. So I was able to track uh, the painting down to Mizima to pay them actually a lot of money to, uh, to get a, a high-resolution copy of it, and I used that uh, high-resolution copy, not only for my book, but I also blew it up and put it on a big canvas, and it hangs, it hangs on the wall of my, uh, of my office. Um, that's uh, that's one, um, one interesting piece of art that, uh, that I wanted to share with you today. Another piece of art that's quite interesting is... Um, this painting. Did anyone ever recognize, did anyone ever see such a painting before or like a picture? So this is what people think is the Baal Shem, the holy Baal Shem who is the founder of Hasidus, Rabbi Saul Baal Shem. People think that this is him. And whenever you see any books or any, like go into any history book and they, and look up um, the Baal Shem Tov, or, you know, the Baal Shem. This will be the painting or caricature of this painting. This is what, you know, people for many, many years, 
And even today, many people think this is what, what the Baal Shem Tov looked like. Now, the truth is that it's not him. This is not him. Who is it? So, it's actually the Baal Shem of London. Baal Shem doesn't mean like... Uh, Baal Shem means that it's a miracle worker. Like somebody, a Baal Shem means he knows how to use Hashem's name. So, he knows how... He has like mystical powers... So this was not the actual original Baal Shem that everybody refers to, but rather this was somebody, it was a Baal Shem of London. His name was Rabbi Chaim Shmuel Yaakov Falk, F-A-L-K. And it's a painting of him. People thought, oh, it's the Baal Shem, you know, people, because he was the Baal Shem, he's the Baal Shem of London. But people say, oh, he's the Baal Shem, it's the Baal Shem Tov. It's the, this is the same as the Hasidic founder. But... Um, it's not him. That's why I call the, the piece the wrong Baal Shem. This is not the right Baal Shem. This is the wrong Baal Shem. Um, he, he was from Poland. Just a little bit of history about who this man was. He was from uh, Poland. Lived in around 1700s. And then he found sanctuary in London, 1742, after narrowly escaping being burned at the stake by the authorities in, in Poland who charged him with sorcery. They thought that he was a witch or a male version of a witch. So they, um, they wanted to burn him at the stake and then he ran. He, he found safety in London. Now, Rabbi Yaakov Emden and other great rabbis accused Rav Falk of Sabatianism, meaning they thought that he was a follower of Shabzai Tzvi, it was a false messiah that caused a lot of problems in that, that period of time. Once he was living safely in London, Rabbi Falk settled east, in the east end of London where he established a laboratory for his alchemical studies. Anyone know what an alchemist is? Alternative explosions. Very good, what? Yeah, he, t- they, they, he takes like something that's... Uh, Imagine if you had the power to take, like, uh, to take a regular metal and turn it into gold. If you took, uh, you know, I take all my quarters and all my nickels and pennies and throw it into a, a soup of some sort and out comes gold, that would be a pretty cool trick, right? So an alchemist is somebody who uh, claims to have that ability. Obviously, it's impossible. You can't do that. But an alchemist, you know, is... Uh, is somebody that uh, he established a laboratory for his alchemical studies and led a select group of mystics, both Jews and non-Jews, in a travelogue, that means like a diary of where he traveled, um, where the Chidah writes that a French marquis asked the Chidah to pray on their behalf and told him that they had already sought out the Baal Shem of London for spiritual healing. Anyway, so he was a, a very well-known figure, but he wasn't the right Baal Shem. Now, in any event, the fact that Rafalk was known as the Baal Shem apparently caused the confusion as the subject of this portrait. Even today, after it is well documented that, documented that this is not the real Baal Shem, this image continues to be used by many when depicting the founder of Hasidim. So it's an interesting thing, and this... this this painting was actually auctioned off a few years ago on, a, on an auction site, and uh, it went for like $75,000. It, it wouldn't have gone for that much. It really is not even an important painting, but 
it's famous for being infamous, infamously wrong. People think that it's some that it was the Balshemto, so that gives it. Even if you look carefully, like on the painting itself, he's doing like some sort of funny stuff, like he's pointing to a uh, like a mug and it, and he's using like a compass of some sort. He's doing some strange stuff, but um, it's interesting. Just once we're on the topic of of alchemy and this ability that people have or claim to have had um, to turn regular metal into gold. So I know you always like to come out with some practical takeaway. You're probably wondering, why is this guy talking about paintings today? What am I going to get from this? Why did I bother coming here? So once we're on the topic of this alchemist, so if you look at the beginning of the Shar HaBitachon of the Chavis HaVavis, right? the Chavis HaVavis is one of the early classical Sifrei Musser. And his most famous chapter in that large work is called Shar Bitachon. Shar Bitachon is basically a chapter telling us how to be, um, to master Bitachon. Bitachon is, to mean, means to trust in Hashem. It's very uh, similar to Amuna. Anyone know what the difference between Amuna and Bitachon is? They sort of like seem to be almost interchangeable, right? You have Amuna, have Bitachon, it's sort, sort of the same. Anyone want to take a wild stab at what the uh, or, or an informed stab, but what the difference is between Amuna and Bitachan? Trust versus faith. Right, so what does that mean, practically? What you can control versus what you can't control. So, okay, the Ramban writes in one of his sarm that the difference between Amuna and Bitachan is, it's that Amuna is like a tree, and Bitachan is a fruit that comes from the tree. What does that mean? Emuna means that I believe in Hashem. I believe in Hashem, and I do. I think we all can say that I, we believe in Hashem, right? There's a God in the world, believe in Him, fine. That's not always the same as saying, I trust in Hashem. If you would really have trust in Hashem, you would never lose any sleep, right? You'd always be happy. You'd always say, like, even if you don't, uh, you're, you know, you get laid off from a job, or you don't have any money in the bank, or... Uh, uh, you know, something bad happens, to you. So then we wouldn't get right away nervous, like, oh my gosh, I can't pay my bills. I have bitachon. There's a God in the world. Hashem's going to take care of me. So emuna means the, that I believe in Hashem. But just because I believe in Hashem does not mean that I have the, the strength of, of conviction enough to trust in Hashem. Right? I could believe in something, but I don't trust in something. So Amuna is like the tree. I believe in the tree, right? The tree is here. The question is, do you, how, do you have fruits coming from that tree or not? Meaning, it's possible to have a tree without fruit, but you can't have a fruit without tree. So I can have Amuna without Bitachan, but I can never have Bitachan without Amuna. If you have Bitachan, that means that you must believe in Hashem, if you have true faith in Him. But you can't have... Um, but you can have... Uh, a tree, sometimes there are trees that don't have fruit. And that's what many of us are. If you, you know, if I, uh, if you ask me, do I believe in Hashem? Yes, I believe in a thousand percent. But, so why do you get nervous when, uh, when things go bad, when things don't go your way, when, you know, you, uh, I don't know, you're running late for something, or you're, uh, you missed your plane, or you're, uh, I don't know, you thought you'd get a job in the summer and you didn't. Why, why does that bother you? Don't you know there's a God, in, don't you trust in Hashem? 
No, I don't always try. I believe in Hashem, but I don't always trust in Hashem. And so, emuna and bitachen uh, are, are very, very important to have both. But the Chavis Halvavis writes a chapter called Shara Bitachon. Shara Bitachon means it teaches us how to acquire in life this trust, to be able to really be able to have confidence that whatever is, do, whatever is happening is for my best. And if Hashem caused something to happen, then, then it must be this is the way it has to be. Somebody once went to the Chavitz Chaim and said to him, and the Chavitz Chaim says, how are you doing? So you know what he says? He says, all right, could be better. Meaning, uh, it's, things are okay, but it could be better. You know, my parnasa could be better, and my health could be better, and my this could be better, that could be better. So the Chavitz Chaim says to him, he says, you're not allowed to say that. He says, because if it could be better, then it would be better. If it's not better, then that means that this is exactly what Hashem wants. You understand that? If, don't tell, don't say, well, life could be better. You know, I, you know, great, I have a job, but I could be making so much more money, and I could be, uh, you know, I'm dating, but uh, I wish that girl would have said yes to me, and she didn't, and, you know, and you're upset about that, and you're upset about the mark that you got on the test, and you started as much as you could, but you still didn't. Don't say it could be better, because if it could be better, it would be better. Hashem could have made everything happen perfectly for you. If it didn't happen perfectly, that means that Hashem, for whatever reason, in His infinite wisdom, did not want it to happen. If the girl said no to you, then you should make a kiddush on Shabbos that she said no to you because, you know, that was obviously not the right girl for you. So what do you, you know, you want a girl that's not right for you? What do you mean? But she's perfect for me. I love her. Okay, but obviously maybe you think it's perfect for you, but you don't really know, you know, the whole story. And someday when you find the girl that you do end up marrying, you're going to look back and say, well, thank God I dodged that bullet because she wasn't for me for a hundred different reasons. But you don't see that today. So, bitachin means that I have real faith in Hashem that whatever happens, I know is for the good. I know that Hashem has a plan for everything that happens, which is so important for us to, to know. So, why am I bringing this up? Because in the beginning of that Shara bitachin, which is a very uh, popularly learned um, chapter, and maybe, you know, we could have learned that instead of this, but, um, and, and that would be a very worthwhile uh, thing to learn, but you can learn on your own. Art Scroll came out with a recent uh, edition of Shara Bitachon. It's, it's very, it's excellent job. I was just looking through it. And at the beginning of, uh, so it's translated into English with, no, with notes on the bottom, and he says, the Chavis uh, is how Believing in Hashem is greater than being an alchemist. Meaning he was assuming that there is a concept of having this secret magical formula of converting regular metals into gold. But it's still better, you know, and that seems to be, wow, it's like imagine if I had a, I had a, a printing press in my basement that I'm able to print as much money as I want or as I need. That would be pretty cool, right? But he says that having bitachin in Hashem is much better than even that. It's better to have bitachin and Hashem than even to have, to be an alchemist, to have a printing press in your basement that is printing, you know, money that the government would never realize is counterfeit. It's still better to, to believe in Hashem. Because even though it seems like this is such a certain thing, he brings like 10 different reasons or maybe more uh, why it, believing in Hashem is always the best thing to do.
So this concept of being an alchemist and this man, the Baal Shem of London, was trying to, make, he made a laboratory to try to work on actually finding the ability to, to turn things into gold. But, um, but believing in Hashem, having bitachon Hashem, is actually uh, something even, uh, even greater. Okay, now another painting that I want to talk about today with you, and this is on page 268 in my book, Great Jewish Treasures, is a, an interesting story. There is a uh, very few, um, that one of the greatest um, Jewish artists who lived in the 1800s, he lived actually from 1853 to 1921, is a man by the name of Isidore Kaufman. I doubt you ever heard of him, right? No one heard of him? But he wrote, he, you probably have seen paintings of his one way or another. This is uh, one of his most famous paintings. And the reason why I put it in this book is because it has, all the things in my book have something to do with rabbis. Not just um, paintings or whatever, these are all. Now this painting in particular is, he named the son of the miracle working rabbi of Bells. This is a son of one of the Belzer Rebbes. One of the, Bells is one of the big Hasidus, it's based in, in Yerushalayim. Has anyone ever been to the shul in Bells? You've been there? Uh, it's big, right? It's beautiful? Massive? Yeah. I've never been there, but I've seen a lot of pictures and videos of it. It's, you see it like when you're coming into your Shalayim, you see it looks like a, like a Beis Hamikdash almost, right? It has, like a, it has that look to it. And uh, it's, 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 it's huge, right? It's, it's very, very big. And the whole building is big, etc. So that Hasidus is called Bells. And... This is a son, a beautiful painting of a young boy, and this is a son of the miracle worker of Bells. He's the son of one of the Rebbes of Bells. Now, I was looking all over for this painting. It's a famous painting, but I wanted the original. I wanted to see the original. Now, I know somebody in Muncie who has a, uh, a very big collection of Judaica, and when I was putting together this book, I paid him a visit. I got to see him. And um, I knew that he had certain pieces that are elsewhere in the book, but I was walking around his house. All of a sudden, I see on, the, on his dining room wall, I see this, this painting. And I literally was looking for this for a very long time. I said, that's a copy, right? That's not the, he said, no, 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 that's the original. He owned the original of this thing that I was looking high and low for all over the world. And this guy has it. It's, it was sitting in months. He says, he says I'm going to sell it soon. I'm going to put it on the auction. And he says it's going to sell for over $1 million. That's what he predicted. Um, and he did put it up for sale. And I was curious what it was going to fetch on auction. Ended up uh, selling for $750,000. It's not a big painting. It looks like it's a big painting because I blew it up. In truth, the size of this painting, it's no bigger than... It's, it's maybe the size of this tissue box. Maybe. It's a teeny painting. It went for $750,000. And uh, it's just like hanging on his dining room as if it's like a postcard. It's just sitting there. It's like a, you know, his whole house is full of very, very, uh, um, now, what, where did this Isidore Kaufman, this painting, this great painter, where did he get an opportunity to paint the son of the, of the Rebbe uh, of Bells? So, in, 1897, he wrote a letter where he described his encounter with the Hasidic rabbis of Galicia. 
I had the opportunity to spend Shabbos evening in the company of the Grand Rabbi. It was incredible. You know what a Grand Rabbi is? This is a man who has so and so many famous ancestors who was endowed with broad Talmudic knowledge, great piety, and there are many of them. Now, although most of the artist's Jewish subjects are not identified, there is one notable exception. During one of his trips to Galicia, Kaufman painted one of the most important works, The Son of the Miracle-Working Rabbi of Bells. It shows a young, handsome boy wearing a strimo, that's the fur hat, sitting on a giant carved chair upholstered in rich red velvet. In the authoritative book on Kaufman's works, the cover which is graced by this portrait, it describes the work as follows. The boy looks at the observer with a very earnest, piercing eyes. You see how he looks at you? Like, like very like piercing, like right, he's looking right through you. As if he were already aware of the heritage awaiting him. And he knows already like where he's going. He knows he's going to be the future king. He's going to be the future Abba. So I wanted to uh, include it in my book, and then I write about how I visited the home of a prominent Judaica collector. As I was talking about, a certain, about certain important pieces that he owned, my peripheral vision caught a glance at a portrait hanging on the, on the dining room wall. I was stunned. That is not by any chance this painting, I asked. He says, yes, he assured me, it is the original. And there it was, the masterpiece I saw, I saw it, although much smaller than I had imagined it to be. It measures 15 0.2 by 19.6 centimeters, which is 5 by 7 inches. You know what 5 by 7 inches is? It's like the size of, a, of an index card. Right? You could buy index cards that are 5 by 7. Very small. It's even smaller than this book. It's like maybe this. Yeah, maybe like this. And um, the exact identity of the boy in the painting is not clear. I mean, who is this kid? Like, what, what happened to him? So, but it is assumed to be a son of Rabbi Aaron Rokeach, the fourth Rebbe of Bell's dynasty. Rabbi Aaron was known for his piety and mysticism and was indeed referred to as the wonder rabbi by Jews and non-Jews alike for the miracles he performed. This is a picture of Rabbi Aaron of Bell's. This is, this is Rabbi Aaron of Bell's, the one in the middle. And so everyone assumes that this child is a is a son of that of Ravarin, and that would sort of work out years-wise. But the problem, however, with the notion that it was a child of Ravarin is that he and his first wife had five sons and four daughters. It is known that several children died at birth, while those that that survived were sickly and weak. The boy in the portrait, though, appears to be quite strong and healthy. Tragically, all of those children of Ivarin who survived to adulthood were murdered by the Nazis in Machshimai during the Holocaust. My personal theory, that's me talking, is that the boy in Kaufman's portrait is not a son of Ivarin, but possibly his half-brother, Rabbi Mardachai Rokeach, also known as Rabbi Mardachai of Bilgare. Rabbi Mardachai is the son, by the second marriage of the third Belzareb, Rabbi Sachar Doiv Rokeach, Rabbi Mardachai's only son, Rabbi Safar Dabrakech, is the fifth and current Belzareba. To me, the boy in this portrait bears a, a resemblance to the image of, the old, of an older of Mardachai. See, 
this is Reb Mordechai of Bells, right? And I think that this was his father. This was his, this boy's father was this, and I, I see like sort of a resemblance. I want to see it, but I see a resemblance. Um, I see a big resemblance, and he uh, and 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 the current Belzareba is actually a son of this uh, of this. Uh, of this Remardachai of Bilgeray. Okay, then we'll just end with um, another interesting thing. A lot of, a lot of, uh, there were a lot of of lithographs that had assorted rabbis that were printed throughout the years, and a lot of people hang them in the sukkah. So, and you ever see like paintings like this, like, like multiple rabbis, and like and like this maybe. Um, so what I did was I went and I, I identified each of these rabbis. We put them over here. Um, this is another. I, I numbered all the, these. But these are very uh, interesting lithographs that were very popular, were like posters to put in your sukkah. But these are posters that were not run off like a million times like we have nowadays, those machineries. Then it was done much differently. But um, they're very, they're of historical importance. And they have many, many images some are, are like true images, like the Rambam, they say is, that's actually how he looked. Then there are certain other images like Rashi that they drew them, but they didn't really, it was just like an artist's conjecture. Like it wasn't, we don't really, there weren't art, we don't have like a Messiah in what Rashi looks like and what the Ramban looks like and what uh, many, the riff, but we have, but there are, there are paintings of them. There are, there are sketches of them. And, uh, but a lot of it was just like an, an artist was just paid to like make random looking rabbis and then they named them and that was how we have today. And I do this, I use this myself. So like if I'm ever using, uh, if I want to like demonstrate like what, uh, what the Ramban looks like. Remember the other day last week we, we mentioned about a seal of the Ramban. So that, remember that this is a seal that was found in the Ramban. So I use just as a picture of the Ramban just to give people an idea I use this. Is this the Ramban? No, it's not the Ramban. An artist just drew a picture of a rabbi and they, he, he wrote under it the Ramban. But all, a lot of these types of pictures were actually, actually come from these sukkah posters, those lithographs. And, um, and, it's, uh, and, it's some, and the more recent rabbis, that uh, a lot of them were they. We didn't, this is before the times of photographs. So, but we still had artists that were depicting a like the picture that we have of Kivager that we started this, today's share with about the picture of Rabbi Kivager looked like that was a real genuine uh, portrait. We don't have, they didn't have photographs at that time, but there were uh, paintings of them. And uh, so many of those rabbis were accurate, but the earlier rabbis like the Rishonim, those are not, uh, we don't believe that most of them, if any of them, are actually the actual way that, that they look. Okay, let me say.